Money FM 89.3, the best of your money. Read with your money, only on Money FM 89.3. Welcome to Read. I'm Michelle Martin. A great way to start the day is with this book. The featured author today, Dr. Gladys McGarry, says it's not about how you conserve your energy, but how you spend energy. Number of the day today is 102 here on Money FM 89.3 in honor of the centenarian that we're speaking to. My next guest is Dr. Gladys McGarry. She's a pioneer of holistic medicine, and she's here to share wisdom on simple practices that can completely transform your life. Her book is called The Well-Lived Life. Dr. McGarry, thank you for your time, Dr. Uh-huh. All right. Happy to do it. You co-founded the American Holistic Medical Association at a time when women could not even have their own bank accounts. We're all about money on this radio station. Is that right? You started this association when women couldn't have a bank account? Well, that was secondary. It's just the way it was at that time. Whether we had money or not, we had to start the American Holistic Medical Association because we felt that something was really missing in our understanding of healing and what we were being taught in school about the technology and all of that. But it was all geared towards a war against disease and getting rid of pain. That's the whole focus was. And in the process of doing that, we realized that they really weren't considering much at all about the mind, but particularly about the emotionals and the way the inner aspect of our body responds to love and caring and all of that sort of thing, which is so essential to healing. And so the American Holistic Medical Association, when we started, it took us two years to uh, really understand that what we were talking about was a dimension of healing that was different from what we were really taught. Astonishing. Gladys, you've had your fair share of struggles over the years, uh, including (laughs) surviving cancer twice, I understand. What would you say to people listening in who may be struggling with, uh, you know, a, a difficult diagnosis? Well, don't give up on either the, the alternative aspects of healing or the, the one that is considered conventional. Depend, it will depend on what is available to you, what makes sense to you, and what you in your inner being can accept as the healing aspect for you. Because, it, you know, you can have 10 people respond to some healing uh, process in one way, but then the 11th person comes along and they don't respond that way at all. It's So we're, we're totally individual people doing our individual things. And like we digest our food the way we digest it, nobody else could digest it for us. We do the same thing with the healing processes that we are offered and given to work with. To what extent does acceptance uh, matter when you're given a diagnosis um, like cancer, for example. Some people say, don't let that in. You know, don't think of it as a death sentence. How did you approach the diagnosis of cancer? And what do you think were some of the keys to being able to overcome that? Well, I think there are reasons for us developing diseases. And in my way of looking at things, it's more the message that the disease is trying to give us than what the disease actually is. I mean, sure, there are bacteria and there are 
cancer cells and they're different things. But what is the inner message that we're trying to get? You know, my oldest son is a retired orthopedic surgeon. And when he'd finished his training, he came through Phoenix and he said to me, Mom, he was ready to start his practice in Del Rio, Texas. And he said, I'm ready to step out and I'm going to have people's lives in my hands. I don't know if I can handle that. And I said to him, well, Carl, if you think you're the one that does the healing, you're, you have a right to be scared. But if you use the training you have, which is amazing, orthopedic surgery is amazing. Those of us need that kind of medicine. We need somebody who really knows and understands that whole process. But after, as you continue to you do your job, you then reach out to the physician within each person, which is the whole immune system and the way our bodies work together, and have them work with you as a colleague in the healing process. Mm -hmm. Because no doctor actually heals another person. The doctor does everything they can to deal with the disease process or whatever it is. But then in reality, the patient has to take it on themselves to do the healing. You know, you could tell a patient a dozen things to do, and if they don't do one of them, where are you going to go? You say in your book, love is the, the most powerful medicine. Right. Learn to love yourself and others into healing. When you, when you hear that your body is somehow, it can feel like your body is betraying you when you receive a, a chronic diagnosis or terminal diagnosis. What do you say to people who, you know, are struggling with wanting to heal themselves, wanting to love their bodies, but at the same time feeling betrayed by their bodies? I try to have them understand what it is that I'm trying to understand about them. <laughs> In other words, I can't tell you exactly what I'm going to tell any patient about what their process is because each one of us are individuals. We're like, you know, I see world score like a huge jigsaw puzzle with each one of us a piece in that jigsaw puzzle. And there isn't anybody else that can fit in that piece. I've tried putting other pieces in jigsaw puzzles and they don't fit. So you there, is have no to, formula. there is no formula that can work for everybody. There's not, uh, not individual. Absolutely not. No formula, no diet that works for no position, no. You know, it is a sort of an arrogance if we think that we as physicians are doing the healing. And patients think we do the healing. It's a strange juxtaposition of where the healing goes. What I can do as a physician is love that patient enough to be aware that they are dealing with a disease or whatever it is, which is something that is their issue to deal with, but I can help them deal with it. In other words, we're colleagues in this. They are the one that actually takes what I'm saying and makes it happen. If we can take a step away from healing and maybe speak to some life lessons that the general listener can take on uh, if they want to make the most of their life, you say spend your energy wildly. Yes. Uh, can you share with us how you embrace life fully or what you mean by that? I love life. Okay. And I love to be able to laugh and sing if I want to sing and uh, listen to the music I want to listen to, but also to do the work that I am impelled within myself to do, which is the process of healing. I have what I call five L's. The first L is life. If you're not alive, nothing else matters anyway. So the first L is life. 
But the second L is love. And you know, you can have a seed in the pyramid for 5,000 years and it doesn't do anything. It's got all the energy of the universe within that seed, but it can't do anything until love, which is sunlight and rain and water or whatever, cracks that shell and activates the life. Then you've got the two, life and love, that go together. One doesn't work without the other, but they need each other. So the two L's are essential for us to understand, in my opinion, understanding life the way we have to live it. The third one is laughter. Laughter without love is mean. It's cruel. But laughter with love is joy and happiness. The fourth one is labor. Labor without love is drudgery. Oh, I got to go to work. I've got too many diapers. You know, just it's just too, life is just too hard. But labor with love is bliss. It's why you do what you're doing. It's why I'm doing what I'm doing at this time of the night. <laughs> and uh, it's why a singer sings, why a painter paints. I mean, it's that inner essence of ourselves, call it what you will, that inner essence of ourselves that we know when we touch that and, and are working with that. You work harder than you'd ever worked if you didn't put that into it. Drudgery, you drag yourself through it, but this way, you know, you have to do it the right thing. And the fifth one is listening. Listening without love is empty sound, clanging gong, but listening with love is understanding. And so if you can put these five L's in, for me, I came up with these five L's because they helped me structure some of the, not just the things that I was doing, but the work that I was doing and the work that I was doing with other people and so on. It gave you some structure. You you say you are never alone. And sometimes when a person is ill, they do feel like it is uniquely their experience and they want to hide or cocoon themselves from the world and just not talk to anybody perhaps, but why is community so important to living well? Well, because life needs to move and it needs to, if it gets stuck, it dies. And so, in, and in order for life to move, it involves the other people, you know? If, if you're so stuck and you can't see past where, because life is so dark and so whatever it is at the time, If you allow yourself to start looking for the light, something that gives you something to look for or reach for, you'll begin to see. You don't see light if you don't look for it. You know, I kind of see maybe I've got a path that I'm walking with a flashlight and I'm walking down this path and my flashlight can take me one step at a time just as far as I could go. And But as long as I keep moving the flashlight, it keeps moving and I keep going ahead. But sometimes as you're going along this path, you see a glimmering light that is very faint. If you can just take your light and add it to that glimmering light, you are adding light to them and give them a chance to see something that they wouldn't have seen. In other words, we are that interconnected that if we can just look for somebody that or a light that's not really bright or whatever it is, we'll see it. But if we're not looking for it, we're not going to see it. If I hurt my arm and I have a a scab on the arm and I keep picking at that scab, it's never Mm going to heal. Mm -hmm. But if I can say to that scab, well, hello, 
you know, and you do the things you need to do, ointment or whatever, and then go about your life, you'll come back sometime and look at it and say, oh, I remember you. But there's no pain with it. You have a scar, but you don't have any pain with it now. So because you haven't just tried to get over the pain or whatever it is, you've lived through it. And the process of living through it transforms it. It makes it possible for you to keep on going. You know, I have a friend who's an artist, and she's had chronic pain all her life. I mean, severe pain all her life. But she's an artist. And when, she, when, the, when the pain gets really bad, she grabs her paints, and she paints everything. She paints her skirts. She paints her shoes. She paints the walls, anything that she can. Until what she calls, until the paint becomes a painting, until she gets a ting that comes into herself so that now the pain is there, but she can deal with it. You see, it's that ability to keep living until you actually get to the point where you can see what it is that you're doing and you can go on. Keep going through the pain. Yeah. Incredible. Dr. McGarry, I have a thousand other questions, but unfortunately, we're out of time on air. I want to thank you so much for your wisdom and You're for sharing welcome. part of your evening with us. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Dr. Gladys McGarry is the author of The Well-Lived Life, uh, Six Secrets to Health and Happiness at Any Age. I'm Michelle Martin. You've been reading with me here on Money FM 89.3. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.